I want us to uh, talk about this idea of change and, and really on the, on the forefront, let's talk about where you're at in this idea of change. So today I'm, I'm calling this message, The Change We Need. You should have some notes and so I encourage you to follow along and you can write some notes down with us. So here's the first thing when we talk about change. So when, I, when we said we were, we were going to be doing this series, there's a couple of things that happened in your mind. So here's the first category of people. These are the people that said, I'd like to change. So when we talked about this series, or you heard that we were going to do it, the first thing you thought of is, man, I, I'd like some change. Man, I need some change. I, I think that's going to be good for me. Man, I, I need some change in my life. Maybe a new job, maybe um, a new business, new home, new, I don't know, just, just a new attitude, new perspective. And, and you're kind of excited about change, kind of like the same people that are excited about a diet at the beginning of the year. And uh, come on, how many are excited about a diet? But I, I just love pizza more. Anybody in here? I mean, I, donuts, king cakes, any of that. Just let me know. Um, so usually this idea of I like to change, honestly, it's good. It's a good start. It just really doesn't really go anywhere too much, which actually leads into the next phase of people. And I bet it's probably more of a majority of you. And that is, I have to change. I have to change. That is, those of you that are in here that says, I, if I don't change, I might lose my job. Or if I don't change, I might lose my marriage. If I don't change, I might lose my kids. I, I, I've got to change. I mean, there's got to be a change that's going on. Maybe some of you in here that says, if something doesn't change, you've maybe said a line like that before, maybe to a spouse or to a friend or to somebody, this, this is better change or something bad's going to go down. And there's many of you in here that I, I've, I've personally talked to that says, you're kind of in this category, like something's got to change. And if something doesn't change, it's, it's something bad's going to happen. So that's, that's the second category. Here's your third one. The third one is, I, I, I don't know if I can change. These are those people in here that have tried the change game, and, and you get excited for series like this, or you get excited when you hear about change, but, but now it's gotten to the point where you're really not excited about those things anymore because you've tried it and it never works. And you're the guy that keeps saying that you're never going to do it again. You keep doing it again. And you've been through multiple rehabs, or you've been through multiple marriages, or you've been through multiple fights. And you, you've just gotten to a point where you just feel absolutely hopeless and helpless. And I don't think they really can change. I'm excited for everybody else that had experiences change, but that's really not going to be us. We're not going to experience that change because I don't really know if I can change. It's been too many years or too many failures for me to, to be here. And then last is those that said, I didn't ask for the change. I didn't ask for the change. These are those people in here that your life has changed, but you didn't invite it. You didn't ask for it. Maybe like a Pastor Bell, Mr. Uh, Miss Tracy situation, cancer keeps coming back. You don't ask for that. Situations we had with our son, we didn't ask for that. Maybe you're fighting an illness this year that you didn't ask for. Maybe somebody in your family got killed. You didn't ask for that. But now you're having to realize that there is a season of your life now where there's change in your life that you didn't ask for. And so you're here today going, well, how do I deal with this change? Because I'm, I'm here. This is what I'm dealing with right now. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it, but I got it anyway. So how do we deal with this? One of, all of us in here are in one of those four categories. You either like it, you have it. You don't know if you can or you didn't ask for it. And so with that being said, I want us to go to Acts chapter 3. And we're going to talk about the change we need. Acts chapter 3, it says this, starting in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man 
lame from what? Come on, we need to, you need to kind of circle that or highlight. That's a big part here. A man that's lame from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. I, I love this. Just real quick. The, the guy that's lame from birth noticed that when he wanted to experience change and he needed some help in his life, notice he didn't go to the bar. Notice he didn't go to the grocery store. Notice he didn't go to a friend's house. Notice he went to church. Now, he wasn't allowed in the church because he was a lame man. So he just got as close as he possibly could. I think for many of you, maybe even the beginning of this year, you said, man, I've never been in church or it's been a long time since I've been in church. And so today was a big decision. It was a big step for you to actually even step foot in a church. And can I tell you that for this lame man, his life's going to be forever changed because of that one decision that he got close enough, at least to a church that he experienced Jesus. And I believe because you're here today, you're going to experience Jesus too. And look what he says in verse 3. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some what? For some what? For some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and he stood on his feet and he began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God. Sounds like a song. He, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking. And they heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely what? Astounded. Astounded. Any of you people in here that maybe have experienced Jesus and they've seen some change in your life and you've got friends in, in your life that says, man, you've changed. Anybody's ever done that? Man, you've changed. And here's your response. I needed to change. This guy has changed. I mean, he was a lame man for 40 years and God has supernaturally healed him. He can now walk and leap and he's praising God and he's beyond excited and people are absolutely astounded because they know who this man is. They've passed him for years. And look what it says. It says, And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. I want to begin today by asking a question. Could it be the reason that you and I are not seeing lasting change in our lives? Because we're asking God for the wrong thing. Could it be that the reason you and I are not experiencing lasting change? What I mean by that is maybe you've experienced some change, maybe you've had some, some change that's happened in your life, but it seems like you always keep going back to the same thing over and over again is because we're just asking God for the wrong thing. I want you to write this down. I got really two main big ideas today in the message, and that is this. The change you want might not be the change you need. The change you want might not be the change that you need. For the lame man, he didn't even notice really that he was lame anymore. And here's the reason why. 40 years. 40 years of being lame. Come on, how many of you know at, that, at some point you're just like, I'm just, I'm just lame. I, that's just what I am. He, that's become his identity. He is the lame man. So for 40 years, he's experienced not the ability to be mobile. He can't walk anywhere. And so here he is in this moment where he's at the beautiful gates and his thing is, instead of asking these guys for healing, notice what he asked for, money. Sometimes God 
doesn't give us what we want because he wants to give us what we need. What if these guys would have given him money? Think about that. Think if Peter and John would have showed up, saw him, and he says, hey, you got, got some spare change? We've all probably encountered some people at the gas station or Walmart or somewhere where somebody's asked for some spare change. What if it would have been Peter and John showed up, saw the guy, he asked him for money, they gave him $2, and then they went in and prayed and then went home? Not a really cool story. The fact is, is that Peter and John saw him. They intentionally saw the need. They saw something greater that this man needed than what he was asking for. What he wanted was money, but what he needed was legs. And so often in our lives, I think we ask for God for what we want, and God doesn't give us what we want because he wants to give us what we need. He doesn't want to give us what we want. He wants to give us what we need. So what we end up doing is we go after the things that we want, or we tell, tell God that, God, if you give me this, then I think I'll be better. And so what ends up happening is here are the things that we think need to change. So today, I'm not going to talk about how to change. We'll get into the practicals of that in the coming weeks. We're not going to get super specific on how we change. What I want to talk to you about is the fact that you need to understand how much you do need to change. So let's begin there. Oftentimes, when we talk about change, there's two areas that we feel like if we change these two areas, our life will be so much better. Here's the first one. Write it down. I just need to change my circumstances. I just need to change my circumstances. So we begin to focus on all the external. And I believe the biggest lie that we tell ourselves is the if only. So if only I could lose weight and look better, then my life would be so much better. Now, which, by the way, let me just tell you, losing weight, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, it's good to lose weight. It's, it's good to want to look better. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem, though. The problem is, is that you have a problem with your identity. And if you have a problem with your identity, if your desire is to lose weight, what's going to end up happening is you're going to shift your focus from wanting to eat a ton of food to wanting to work out a lot, and you're just going to change idols. So what's going to end up happening for you is but before it was the way that you coped with all the pain in your life is you just ate and you ate and you ate. And now the way you cope with everything in your life is you just work out, work out, work out, work out. And so it's still wrong. It's just now a changed idol. So what you want is, God, I just want to look better. But really what you need is you need God to show you what your worth is besides how you look. Or we could say things like, if only I was married. If only I was married, it would just make so much better. Everything, life would be so much better. Or the, the flip side of those who are married is, if only I was not married, life would be so much better. Or if only I was married to that guy across the street that really appreciates me, then I wouldn't be depressed. And somehow you've put all your hope in this guy that somehow this male is going to be your savior and he's going to give you everything that you need, but he can't even aim in the toilet. <laughs> Come on, all the wives in here. I gave you a chance to say amen. I mean, and you're going to put all your hope in this guy? <laughs> we put all of our hope that, man, once I get a date or once I get this, then I'm going to be happy. Then I won't be depressed. And then we get what we want, and then we find out we're still depressed. Because what we want, we thought would satisfy, but what we needed is not what we got. So we say these if-onlys, and then what ends up happening is in our marriages where there's struggle and hardship, we start doing things. And, and so we think that we just need to get a new marriage or we need to get out of the marriage, and that's going to fix the problem. But the truth is maybe the real problem is forgiveness. Maybe that's the real need, is that there's forgiveness area. Or in, in, in marriage, we do this a lot, and we do this outside of marriage as well, is when we want to change our circumstances is we want to do finger-pointing. 
We want to say the reason that I am the way that I am and the reason we're going through what we're going through is because of you. If you change, then this, some of you are in here and going, man, I'm glad my husband is here. I hope he's listening. <laughs> and if you're saying that in your mind right now, you're not listening to this message. This, the issue is not your circumstances. It's not the external. There's something that's deeper that's going on inside of your heart. And listen, this idea of blame shifting and finger pointing started from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, blow it. God shows up on the scene and says, Adam, where are you at? Finally, Adam comes out of hiding. and He said, why were you hiding? What, what happened? Why did you eat what I told you not to eat? And he goes, God, that woman you gave me. Listen, if you would have gave me Alice like I was praying for and not Eve, we would be so much better. Right? So he's, he's and, and here's what he's actually really saying is, God, this is actually your fault. Because if you wouldn't have given me this woman, then, then we would, and that's what we actually end up doing. When we blame our circumstances for why our behavior is the way that it is, we're actually telling God, this is your fault, and we don't want to take the responsibility for why we are the way that we are. Which actually leads into the second thing, because if you can't change your circumstances, this is what you want to change next. Here's your next one. I just need to change my behavior. So if I can't change the circumstances, I can't get out of my marriage, ah, oh, signed a covenant marriage, can't get out, man. All right, well, Let's, let's try to change behavior then. So then we shift our focus to behavior modification. I'm just going to get better. We're going to get better. We're just, we're just going to, we're going to fix ourselves. And, and so that's what we try to do. We try to get, try to get better. We try to just make the situation better. And we, we go to Barnes and Nobles and we go into this huge, absolutely massive section in Barnes and Nobles that's called self-help. And we read all these self-help books on seven ways to make your husband obey you and six ways to make your wife submit to you and three ways to make your children say, yes, ma'am, and four ways. And we, we try to learn all these principles and things to try to help. And, and those are good and they have their place. But the truth is, is that you can't fix yourself. We, we want things quick and easy. We don't want to go through the process of what it takes to walk through change. We like things quick. We like drive-through. Come on. We like things quick. If we got to wait for anything, it's not cool. We, we like, that's why we like Amazon. Two days. Get it here to me faster. We like six-minute abs. I can eat Bluebell and put something on my stomach and it works me out at the same time. Right? Come on. We're always looking for the quickest, easiest solution. We don't like pain. But oftentimes what I've seen when it comes to change is until you experience an incredible amount of pain, you're not willing to change. I don't sit down with people in my office that they're going, hey, Pastor Josh, we just want to meet with you. Our marriage is amazing. Mm -mm. You know what it is? You know what it is. We're not going to make it. I don't even want to see his face. I don't even want to. He wouldn't even come with me. He, that's what I hear. Because oftentimes we don't want to change until the pressure's on. And so we get to the, the lowest of the lows. And here's the great thing about God. Is God loves you enough to allow your circumstances to reveal what your need is. So he'll allow you to stay in those circumstances for you to reveal, for him to reveal the cracks in your heart. Because guess what it does? It either does one of two things. You can either see the circumstances and run away from God, or you can see those circumstances and go, I, I need God. 
I need God. So we can try to change our behavior. And we, we do things like, uh, if I'm just going to be more patient, I'm just going to try to be nicer. How many know that goes well for about an hour? I'm just going to stop blowing up on my kids. I, I hear this all the time. I'm just going to clean myself up and I'm going to get to church more and I'm going to just work on this. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to quit visiting those sites. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to drink as much. And here's the truth though, because it's, it's a balance because your behavior does need to change. But if you only focus on behavior, you're focusing on what you do and not why you do it. So here's the question. Why do you run to the bottle? Not I need to do it less. Why do you do it in the first place? Why do you run to, and you, you fill in the blank. Why do you run to those things? Why do you put your hope into those things? That's the question that needs to be answered. That's the need. That's the need. And so God does is he exposes the need. Your heart and my heart is the problem, which is why you can't change it. And some of us in here think we really can change our heart, but that's the problem. The problem is not outside of you. It's in you. God, I pray that you can get this. The problem is not outside of you. It's in you. It is in you. It's, it's in us. Acts chapter three, verse six. Look what it says here. It says, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But, but Peter said, I, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold for you, but, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazarene, I want you to get up and walk. See, God didn't want to give him spare change. God wanted to give him life change. God didn't want to give him money. God wanted to give him mobility. God didn't, y'all see, y'all see what I'm saying? God didn't want to give him what he wanted. If God would have given him what he wanted, he would have settled out for what was least. How, how, how bad is that for us that we want to settle out for what is little when God's got a lot for us? God says, listen, I'll give you some money, but guess what? You're going to lose that change because you're going to spend that change. Let me give you something, that change that you'll never leave. Let me give you some legs. And he gives him some legs and he heals his legs. And here's the great thing about this. And this is so cool. This is so powerful. God gave him, now think about this. God didn't give him what he wanted. He gave him what he needed. And when he gave him what he needed, the guy got what he wanted. Watch. I need some money. Why? Because I can't work. Well, guess what? Here's some legs. Now you can go to work. Guess what you can get now? What? Money. So, in God giving him what he needed, he ended up getting what he wanted. Some of us in here are like, man, I would just like a better marriage. I, I would like it to be better than what it is. Well, here's the truth. If you fix what is going on in your heart, maybe God will actually give you what you need, which is, which is a changed heart, and then he'll give you what you want, which is a better marriage. See, we want the better marriage, but we don't want the changed heart. And God says, if you get the changed heart, you'll have the better marriage. We say, God, I want money. I want money. I, want, I, want, I need some money to help solve. And God says, no, no, no. You need the character so that way when you have the money, you don't blow it and you don't spend it on everything else and you know how to be wise with it. So I'm going to produce character in you so that way when you do get the money, then you can do what you want. And so we pray for what we want, but God's going, no, this is what you need. And if you get what you need, then you'll probably end up eventually getting what you want. Y'all with me here? It's, it's, it's a principle, I'm telling you. It's all throughout Scripture, you see it, and it's all throughout our lives. When we go after what God wants us to, that, that we need, oftentimes we end up getting what we want. So don't go after the want, go after the need. Here's the second one, write this down. Change starts with letting go and grabbing hold. Change starts with letting go and grabbing hold. Look at verse 7, it says, Then Peter, 
took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. The right hand signifies the authority of God. The Bible says that right now Jesus is sitting, y'all know, at the, the right hand of the Father. This, this represents authority. And for so long in this man's life, 40 years, over 40 years, he, he had been lame. And it was almost as if Peter was saying, the authority that God's given me, now there's healing in your life. Because how many of you know that ev- at everything that the name of Jesus has to bow, Amen. including every sickness? Amen. Jesus, and so he reaches down his hand and he grabs his hand. Now, here's what I want you to understand here. The man at that moment had the choice to make. Do I grab it or do I slap it? Peter says, you want some change? I have real change. I have real change for you. Grab my hand. And he reaches out to grab him. And he has one of two things. He can, he can slap it and say, no, I just want your money, man forget you. Or you can grab it and experience real change. And you and I today have the exact same opportunity. Jesus reaches his hand down to you and I. For some of you, you've, you've kind of given up on change because you've tried, you've tried actually all the other stuff that I talked about, trying changing your circumstances. You've tried changing your behavior. You've tried all that stuff, which by the way, trying to do all that stuff is exhausting. Trust me because I've tried it. But if you come to this place where you grab hold of God, come on, God, God will give you a leg to stand on. <laughs> so Peter had the decision to reach out his hand, but the man had the decision to stand. I believe God's got the power to change you. The question is, do you want it? That's the question that we have to ask. You can't just say you want something different and not do anything different. Some of you need to hear that. You can't say you want something different and not do anything different. The, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. If you want something different in your life, you've got to be willing to step out and do something different. And I love this because God doesn't force change on him. God invites change into his life. He just got to, he's got to do it. Which, which let, me, let me give you this next one here. Because in order for you to experience change this year... There's two things that are going to happen. You have to let go and you have to hold on. You have to grab hold. Here's what you got to let go of. Number one thing you have to let go of. I only wrote one. Pride. Pride. Here's what pride says. You want to know what pride says? I can handle it. I got this. We can, we can fix it. We can fix it. We, we can do this. Knowing that you haven't been able to do it for 10 years, but yet the enemy's got you so deceived that you, you got this, you can fix this. You don't really have a problem. They, you know what the truth is? They all got problems and they're just trying to make your life a problem. They really got the problems. You don't have the problem. And yet you got these people in your life that are constantly telling you, man, you need to, you need to talk to somebody. You need to get this right. You need to, what's going on here? And, and yet you say, no, no, no. And, or we'll say things like, it's none of your business. Or, hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody about this. Why? Our pride. We got pride in the way. We don't want people to know that we're weak. Which, by the way, just, I'm going to get this out there. When Jesus died on the cross, he made a public declaration that all of us are weak. 
That's the whole reason he went to the cross. It's because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and we're all sinners. Y'all know that, right? So if you come into our office and go, hey, I've been sinning, I'm not going to be like, what? Are you? No. No. Yeah, listen, I've I've been struggling. Mm. You had me fooled. You know what we'll probably do? Yeah, I knew. I was just waiting for you to come tell me. Because here's the truth about pride. The only person it deceives is the one it possesses. Everybody else sees it before you do. And here's the truth. All of them are talking about it behind your back. Because they can't talk about it to your face because you'd scratch their eyes out. Or punch them. Or yell at them. Or activate your inner defense attorney and tell them all the stuff that's wrong with them. Hey, man, I've been noticing, man, you've been drinking a lot. Or, hey, man, I've been noticing, man, you've been a little testy with your kids, man. Is everything okay? Man, back off. You're not perfect with your kids. And guess what ends up happening? Those people back out of your life. And they end up having these side conversations with everybody else about you. They say things like, man, if they would just fix this, man, man, they'd be able to keep that job. Or, man, if they would just do this, man, they'd have a great marriage. Or, man, man, if he would just do... And they're having all of these side conversations without you. Because of your pride. If you want to experience change in 2017, that's the one thing you're going to have to let go of. You're going to have to humble yourself, which actually scripture tells us this. Look at this. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Some of you in here have been like, I don't know why I can't connect with God. It just seems like me and God, we're just not connecting. It's just, man, it just seems like every time I'm praying, it's like bouncing off the roof, coming back. You know why? Pride. It's the only thing God resists. It's pride. Pride is self-centered, me-centered. I got this. I'm really better at being God than you are, God. That's pride. And God says, if you want to be God, here's the great thing about God. If you want to be God, go be it. But here's the thing I love about God is as soon as you're tired of being God, just come on back. I'm waiting for you. Because there's grace for those who are humble. God doesn't demand perfection. He just demands honesty. Right? So when God shows up on the scene with with Adam and Eve and he says, Adam, where are you? Question, did God know where Adam was? What? Okay, God is terrible at hide and go seek. He always knows where you're at, okay? All right? So anytime he shows up, where are you at? I don't know. Okay, he knows where you are, okay? It's like hide and seek with a two-year-old as they're like screaming as they're going. Okay, I know exactly where you're at. That's how God is. You know why God was asking the question? Not because he didn't know where Adam was. He wanted to ask Adam, Adam, do you know where you are? So here's the question to you. Do you know where you are? What area of your life needs to change? What area of of pride have you held on to that you don't want anybody in, you don't want anybody to know about because either you're embarrassed about it or you want to create a facade that makes you look better than you actually are, which actually in the end only only torments you because you've got to go at home at night and know the real you. And so you can't ever connect with people because you, you say, if they really knew the real me, then they wouldn't love me and they wouldn't want to be around me. So you never have true intimate relationships with people because you're always putting on a fake facade and so you can never be connected with people and then you can never be connected with God because you think that, man, if God really knew me, which yet again, he knows the real you and he still loves you, 
He still pursues you. And the truth is here in this church, broken people are welcome. And so we're not going to get, there's no condemnation for those who struggle. Grace is here. Grace is here. And God is there for you and he loves you and he's pursuing you. So we got to let go of pride. Here's, here's, here's your last one. We'll, we'll wrap it up is you got to hold on to God and his people. You got to grab hold of God and you got to grab hold of his people. Peter sticks out the right hand and says, man, you want healing? Come on. And, and he, he initiates. Come on, how are you glad that God initiates with you? He pursues you. He loves you. He goes after you. Come on, how are you glad that God didn't wait for you to clean yourself up, but he came for you. He pursued you. He put people in your life and friends in your life that said, man, come on, come to church with me. Man, I don't do that church thing. Come to church with me, man. You're going to love it. Come on, get to church. And some of you are here today because somebody was persistent enough to say, get your butt to church with me today because God's got something for you. Thank God for those friends. Thank God for those people that, yeah. Thank God. Hey, by the way, that's God working through people. That's God drawing you. That's God pulling you in. That's God that's inviting you. That's God. And he's going, here's, the, here's my hand. Listen, just grab my hand. Just grab my hand. Just grab my hand. Notice he doesn't say try harder, work more, do more. He said, just grab my hand. I'll pull you up. Just grab my hand. And for many of us, we think that God's calling us to do a whole lot. And God's going, no, no. You just believe that all I did was enough for you on the cross. And if you believe that, you're grabbing my hand. You're going to put your trust in me. I'll pull you up and I'll heal those legs. Because I mean, no, God's a lot better at cleaning us up than we are at cleaning ourselves up. And so we hold on to God and say, God, I just want you. Come on, seven days of prayer, that's all that seven days of prayer are. God, I just want you. I want you and you alone. God, I want real change in my life. I need you. I'm going to cut out all the clutter and all the noise. I'm going to pursue you. I want to hear your voice today. That's what holding on to God is. And then the last one is we got to grab hold of his people. Notice this. Look at the next verse here. It says, verse 11. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the men, now watch this, where the man was holding what? Tightly to Peter and John. So the verse before that says he got up and he's like, yes, yes. And he's, he's shouting and he's screaming. He's leaping and he's walking. I mean, he's got legs. For 40 years, he's never had legs. And he's so pumped and he's got all this. And after he does his little running stint, he comes back and he grabs the guys. And the Bible says that all these people rush out to see this guy and they see him holding on, doing a man hug with Peter and John. As if he's saying, listen, the guys that brought healing in my life, I'm not letting you go. I'm holding on to you. Come on, some of you need to hold on to some godly people. Come on, because how many know he's still getting used to them legs? So he's holding on tightly to God's people. And, and if, if you can hear anything that I say, I'm telling you right now, the difference between where you are today and where God wants you to be will be the people you hang out with. Bad company corrupts good morals. Good company gives you even more morals. You get around some godly people that will speak truth to you, love you, encourage you. We could go around this room and share stories of how this has happened in our church. And I'm going to tell you right now, look in the rear view mirror of your car and you've got, got a bunch of punks in the back of your car, just tell them to get out. And you need to get you connected and hooked with some godly people. You tell me your top five friends is, and I'll tell you where you'll be in the next five years. I see it too often. 
We got to hold on, grab hold of God's people. We got to grab hold on to God's, onto God Himself. This is why. This is why we do life groups. This is why we do Next Step. This is why we encourage you to get plugged into the church. Because we want something for you. The enemy isolates. He puts you all by yourself. Some of you are in here with a room full of people and you're lonely. In a room full of people. And and you are utterly alone. You know why? Because the enemy's really good at isolating. He lies and he isolates. So two things he does. And so listen, if you know the devil's schemes, you know how to go against it. Don't believe the lie. Stay around truth. Stay in his truth. And don't isolate. Get around people. The best decision I made was just to stick around people that were better than me, greater than me, and love God more than me. And guess what? I'm where I am today because I just hung around those people. That's, that's what we need in our lives. And so look at Acts chapter 3, verse 8. It says, he jumped up, stood up on his feet, began walking. Then he's walking, leaping, praising God. He went into the temple. Watch this. He goes, now he's, now he's allowed into the temple. He's loud in church now. He goes into the church and all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Come on, how many know when your life changes, you want to talk about it? When God's doing something in you, you want to talk about it. I love, I love the fact that so many of you love talking about what God's doing in you through this church. I love it. You know why? You should do it. Come on, when, it, when there was a good party that you went to, you want to talk about that. There's a good movie that you went and saw, you want to talk about that. Come on, we serve a good God. I want to talk about him. Everybody going to hear about him. And here's the really cool part. Here's the great part. Best part of this whole thing. This whole part was a setup. It was a God setup. The guys laying down there on the ground asked for money. They said, you don't need no money. I got something better than that. Oh, you got some good stuff. Yes, give me your hand. Gets him up, gets some new legs. He experiences God's radical salvation and grace. He's telling everybody. I mean, he's shouting about it. They can hear him. They can see him. And here's the cool part. All these people start coming to see what's what's going on. What's going on? The Bible says over 5,000 men. So there was a lot of people at this place. And guess what Peter does? They go up to Peter and go, what happened? Man, what happened to this guy? How did, man, how did he get some legs? And guess who Peter points them to? Hey, listen, there's this guy named Jesus. Yeah, you crucified him, by the way. But he's got power. He rose from the dead. He's living on high, and he's got power, and he got power to save this guy, and he's got power to save all of you. If you'll confess your sins, and you'll put your heart and your trust into him, he'll save you. And on that day, over 5,000 men gave their heart to the Lord because of this one guy that was changed. Come on, how many know when God changes you, it's not just for you. He wants to do something through you for other people. Come on, that's powerful right there. Some of you in here, your family's here because you got here in this church. God started doing something in you and you started telling your family, you need to come to church with me. You need to be, because it, it's not just you. God is changing you because he's not just wanting to do it in you. He wants to do it through you. Come on, how many know we got a lot of people in this city, in this area that need Jesus? God changed me so that I can change them. So you can be an agent through me. Would you bow your heads all across this place? Father, we love you. In this moment, God, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak. You're invited here, God. Come on, if you would be honest in this room and you'd say, Pastor Josh, there has been some areas of pride in my heart that I know I'm I'm holding on to. Maybe it's been a struggle. Maybe it's been an addiction. Maybe it's been a a temptation. Maybe it's been a lifestyle that you're ashamed of. Maybe it's been 
I don't know. Maybe there's struggles in your marriage or maybe just even in your own identity. Maybe you've been battling depression or anxiety or unforgiveness. I don't know what it is. The great thing about it is, is, that, is that God's already speaking to you. He's already speaking to you about it. You say, Pastor Josh, I, 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 I'm ready to let that go. I'm ready to let that go. Today, I, I, I want to I let go of that pride and I want to grab hold of him. If that's you in this place, we're going to do something bold today because I believe we've got to embarrass Satan. We've got to make a declaration today that God, you're all that I want. If that's you in this place, would you stand all across this room? Let go of pride. Let go of pride. I'm holding on to him. Come on, if that's you all across this place, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Praise God. Praise God. Would you lift your hands right there where you are? It's just a sign of surrender. It's all it is. God, we just surrender our will, surrender our pride, surrender our desire, surrender our attempt to try to make ourselves better, to try to be our own change. Today, God, we surrender to you and to your will and to what you want to do, God. Lord, I pray today, God, that you would not just give people what they want, but you would give them what they need, which is a new heart. God, I pray, Lord, that you, as your Holy Spirit reveals the, the sin and the shortcomings in our lives, that, God, you also at the same time cover it because of the blood of Jesus that was on that cross, Lord. Lord, forgiveness is already there. So, God, we thank you today for your forgiveness. God, we thank you, Lord, that you, not only your grace to forgive, but your grace to empower for these, all these precious people of God, Lord, to live holy and blameless before you with power that only the Holy Spirit gives. Lord, we thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. Keep standing. You can put your hands down, but just keep standing. If you're in this room and you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord, the Bible says in John chapter 3 that we must be born again into the end of the kingdom of God. Not going to church, not that we took communion or that we got baptized, but born again literally means that we've put our whole heart and trust that Jesus did enough for us. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus is everything. If you're in here today and you are ready to surrender your heart, let go of pride, fully onto the Lord. And if that's you in this place, say, Pastor Josh, would you pray with me? Would you just raise your hand? You can be standing or not standing. It don't matter. Raise your hand all across this room. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, for every single hand that's raised. God, representing, God, a surrender to you. Would you just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, today I acknowledge my need for you. I surrender it all. It's all yours. Have my life. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. From this moment forward, I'll live for you and I'll follow you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for making me clean. I love you in Jesus' name.